This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. It's still enough to find the best possible solution. Please do not waste this time. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Politics podcast in the Times. I'm Matt Chorley in Brussels on day four of our special series of podcasts trying to explain what is happening in British politics this week. Here in Brussels, EU leaders have agreed to an extension to Article 50, so Britain will not be leaving the EU without a deal this Friday. The extension is now for the end of October. It's longer than Theresa May wanted. It's shorter than the EU wanted. During this episode, I'm going to try to explain what happens at these EU summits. There are still lots of questions. Will we really leave at the end of October? Is there a chance we can leave before that? And most importantly, why on earth do they do these summits in the middle of the night? This is the slightly strange story of how a Brussels summit works. Okay, so it's uh, just gone five o'clock at Brussels time. Theresa May's just arrived, nice and sunny, for her arrival here in Brussels. This is what she had to say. Well, first of all, obviously I'm here with fellow leaders to try to put in for a short extension to Article 50. And I know many people will be frustrated that the summit is taking place at all uh, because the UK should have left the EU by now. And I greatly regret the fact that Parliament has not been able to pass a deal that would enable us to leave in a smooth and orderly way. But I and the government continue to work to find a way forward. We've been talking with the opposition. Those have been serious, constructive talks. They will continue tomorrow. The purpose of this summit is to agree an extension which gives us more time to agree a deal to enable us to leave the EU in that smooth and orderly way. And what matters, I think, is that uh, I've asked for an extension to 30th of June, but what is important is that any extension enables us to leave at the point at which we ratify the withdrawal agreement so we could leave on the 22nd of May and start to build our brighter future. So off Theresa May goes into the building and she awaits all the other EU leaders before she can set out her stall. Let's head over though and have a look at the building where it's all going to go on. Well, welcome to the Egg Building, the Europa Building as it's officially known. I'm right next to the red carpet where EU leaders come in and there's the row of flags. I can see the Union Jack right next to the EU flag in the middle. How much longer is that going to be there? That's anyone's guess, frankly. This is uh, known as the Egg Building because on the outside it's a big square 
uh, affair. It's, uh, it looks like it's got lots of scaffolding outside, but I think that's what we call art. And inside, there's an enormous glass egg. And right at the heart of that is the round meeting room where EU leaders meet for the European Council. And unusually for these things, normally when big political decisions are being made, there are lots of officials in the room, diplomats and Sherpas, providing advice, guidance, background notes, that sort of thing. On these occasions, meetings of the European Council, it's all down to just the EU 28 leaders chaired by Donald Tusk, and they fight it out amongst themselves. Now, we'll so just come down around past the uh, egg, and let's go and try and find where the journalists are based. So I have to hop into a lift to take us up. So it's now half past seven here in Brussels. The summit well and truly underway. Uh, dinner uh, about to start fairly shortly. All journalists can do is hang around outside and wait for news, of which there isn't a huge amount, it has to be said. Uh, so what do journalists do when there's no news? They stand around and talk. So let's speak to a couple of journalists from other European countries to find out exactly what they think about us and about Brexit. So I've just caught up with Paddy Smith, the Europe editor of the Irish Times. Are you enjoying Brexit? No. <laughs> That'll do. I could say categorically that the Irish are as obsessed, if not more obsessed, with Brexit than uh, the British, and considerably more exasperated than, than, than the British. My news desk is interested in no other stories, and uh, I, I'm dreading an extension. I mean, everybody in this building, whether it's journalists or officials or politicians, they all at least thought that there was the thing about March the 29th was that it was a deadline and we were counting down to those days and now we seem to be counting back up the other side. Yeah, they're even talking about a one-year anniversary of the deadline to leave. Uh, March 29th is perhaps the date on which uh, the, uh, the British will leave again. And I have a colleague who's suggested to me that we may be back here every year for a sort of formal gr agreement on, on, on the Brexit, the British uh, extension. It'll be one of those things that in years, to, centuries to come, people won't be able to remember how it started. But every year we, we meet and we agree the extension. That's, I fear, what might happen. And what's it been like? Because obviously, presumably, the Europe editor of the Irish Times, the whole point of being in Brussels, you cover everything that the EU is doing and maybe other things which are happening in Europe. That would be nice, but the reality is that my time is taken up so much with, with Brexit. With every twist and turn of, of Brexit, it's been very difficult. And I suppose I, I returned here about a year and a half ago. The difference between this stint and, and my stint back in the 90s when I was here was that I could actually then write about a whole range of things. Everybody hates this question about what's going to happen, but what's your, where do you think we're heading? Or do you just think nobody knows and it, you know, an extension just means putting off the unknowable. My suspicion is that uh, that no uh, agreement is possible between uh, Labour and Mrs May, that there is no majority in the Commons for any particular solution after that, uh, and therefore that uh, Brexit machine will just roll on and on. She will try again and again to get her uh, withdrawal agreement through and, and not succeed. Um, she, she's been given a bit of leeway by the... Uh, European Union today. Uh, European Union is very determined to make it clear that it's not the Union which is throwing the Brits out, it's the Brits who are uh, engaged in this process. And uh, so anything that um, can be done to make that absolutely clear that this is entirely of British making uh, that will be done. And how is Britain viewed both in Brussels and in Ireland. Are we just a bloody nuisance or is there any sympathy for the position we're in? 
I don't think the sympathy for the position that, that Britain finds itself in, but I do think, and I think this is very seriously misunderstood in, in Britain, that there is an enormous affection for, for, the, for Britain in uh, Brussels and in uh, Ireland too uh, and, and throughout Europe. I went to a, a showing of a film about Winston Churchill in the Brussels cinema uh, a while back um, and I was astonished when at the end of the cinema with a Brussels audience there was a standing ovation. Wow. And you don't get standing ovations in the cinema uh, very often and it was clearly not about Churchill himself but about an affection for Britain. Paddy Smith, thanks so much. I'll let you get back to work. Okay, so I've now got Christian Spillman from AFP with me. Uh, Christian. How long have you been covering this circus from Brussels? 18 years. Are you sick of Brexit? No. It's very interesting. The first time we have a big member trying to say, I'm not very well in the union today and I want to quit. And he cannot quit. So it's very interesting. The blockage that we have, it's very interesting to analyse, to see how weak our member states are in front of a solution they don't want. They don't want an exit. They don't want a no deal. They want absolutely to keep UK in the European Union. So it's, it's fascinating. And do you think that's what's going on, that this is a process of being difficult so that we never leave? I believe you'll never leave. You don't think we'll ever leave? No. Is that we're going to have to keep coming back again and again, yeah. keeping up the pretense that we're leaving? Yeah, and we will have many, many people like uh, Nigel Farage doing the show in the European Parliament because it's the only things he likes to do and he's absolutely not positive, he's absolutely not constructive and that's the European Union's with the good things and the bad things and that's the way we live since the beginning. And how's Britain being viewed in France when you're covering Brexit for a French audience? Are we just a nuisance you want to see the back of us or how, how, what is the French view of Britain at the moment? Complicated. You are complicated people. Yes, no, no, but you have rules. You have a system. We, we, we discover the way you understand democracy. And it's, and it's very, very interesting. You need to go to the, to the House of Commons all the time. And, and frankly, you are, you are the only one, the only country uh, who put in its own legislation all the European laws. It's not the case of France, for example. So it's... Sometimes it's annoying, sometimes we don't understand, but at the end, you must remain in this, com in, in, in this in union, and that's, I believe. And what about Emmanuel Macron, because he's sometimes an ally and not an ally, and is he being difficult, and is, he, is a lot of what he says actually aimed at a domestic audience to try and stop people in France wanting to leave the EU? What's he up to? In a certain way, he is like Theresa May. <laughs> <laughs> he is blocked, and, uh, and he has a lot of difficulties. Uh, I believe what he, what he wants is to get the support for his ideas, his plans, and I believe he's the only one today to know exactly what he wants, and he's annoyed to dot, don't get the support to do what he wants. And what happens if Boris Johnson becomes Prime Minister? More, more problems, more difficulties. Right, it's 9.30, Brussels time. Uh, dinner started a bit late. But it's been going on for a while now. The trouble with 27 EU leaders all meeting is they all feel the need to speak, uh, which can go on for some time. So I think it's probably time to go in search of Moulfrit, which uh, some people might say is the only reason I've really come to Brussels. Uh, that would be not wholly inaccurate. Um, so, uh, yeah, dinner time. The 
bad news is, uh, it turns out, according to the man in the restaurant anyway, that uh, malls are out of season, apparently. Uh, steak and chips aren't. I suppose it's back to the, the media room to, uh, to wait a bit longer. OK, Jackie Davis, you've covered Brussels for a long time. I won't call you a veteran, because <laughs> that's uh, impolite. Do you feel like this is coming to an end, or is this just another staging post in a never-ending circus? No, it does feel like that we are coming to the end of a chapter. I think what nobody expected was it to be quite so drawn out, quite so painful. That is in the tradition, of course, of EU summits. Uh, they like to make things very difficult. Uh, it goes to the wire. Everyone's always said that. But there is a different feel to this, because it's the first time they're saying goodbye to a member of the club and no one really quite knows how to play that so there are those who are beginning to say oh go will you uh, how long is this going to take and there are others who are really desperately hoping that the UK will change its mind so there's a very strange mood about the place and also the th- thing that struck me when I arrived uh, was in the in the big press room lots of banks of desks of uh, journalists working on laptops and the Brits have been put in a sort of corner no, to be fair, that's where they put themselves. Oh, is uh, it? They, yes, nobody allocates the seats. It's a bit like German towels on the beaches. We've taken Whoever a... gets there first puts their names on, puts sticky tape there, and it's theirs. We used to sit in the middle of oh, the hut. But I've been before we've sat over but here. But I think my instinct, I'm not sure who did the seating this time, but the last couple of summits, um, either we were late to the party, or there has been this feeling of, we don't quite belong, so should we just sit in the corner quietly? I'm sort of sitting behind glass, <laughs> yeah. like sort of in quarantine. Well, we're, not... we're just getting used to how things are going to be in the future, isn't it? <laughs> if only, if only you the seating arrangements uh, was, was as straightforward as the uh, as the process of leaving the EU. And so, for people who haven't been to these summits before, why is it that they always go on so late at night, having allowed everyone to turn up and say what we know they're going to say? So at the moment behind us on the screens, we've got people still arriving, walking up the red carpet, doing their piece to camera. We know what everyone thinks about all of this. Why does it go on for hours and hours and hours? We do know what they think, but on the other hand, they haven't said it to each other. So Donald Tusk, who chairs this, has been going around every capital talking to them. He knows what they all think, but they haven't had the conversation with each other. And indeed, they haven't had the conversation, some of them, with Theresa May. And so they do all feel that once they're here, they've got to say it again. That takes time. And genuinely, I think on an occasion like this, this is really difficult. This isn't something that could be pre-cooked by the diplomats who base themselves in Brussels and sort these things out. That's the easy side. This is really tough. This can only be done at the highest political level. And they're not used to negotiating detail. So that takes a lot longer than it should do, really. And it's one of those things that although there are buildings and buildings and buildings in Brussels are full of officials and Sherpas and diplomats or whatever you call them. But actually, when it comes down to it, it's 28 people, still 28, and Donald Tusk sitting in a room around a big round table and there's no one else in there. And they're supposed to be just sorting out themselves. Exactly. And the key to that is they've got to go home and whatever they decide to do tonight, they have to sell it to their publics back home. Uh, They are all, they understand Theresa May's predicament to an extent because they are all heads of state and government. They all have that difficult domestic task. So if they get it wrong, I mean, we've seen, for example, with the French, Emmanuel Macron is playing bad cop that's gone down very well with some sections of French public but other people saying hang on a minute you're just using this you're using the UK uh, in order to boost your domestic standing and that could be really bad for our economy so whatever happens tonight they've got to be able to go back and say we have done the very best we could to minimize the damage and to make this work okay so it's now midnight Brussels time that's 11 o'clock UK time the dinner have been going on for about four hours now uh, we think everyone has now spoken. Emmanuel Macron still the strongest, possibly only voice pushing for a very short extension. 
More than a dozen other leaders said to be happy with a longer extension. Everyone has spoken once and now everyone gets to respond to everyone else who's spoken. So it could be uh, some time yet. The bar is pretty busy, I can report. Uh, the bar's run out of red wine, I'm told. And there are just lots of people standing around looking at their phones and we keep hearing things like this is what the Italians are saying, this is what the Belgians are saying. Uh, lots of it contradictory. Uh, there's talk that it, the extension might only be six months. Others assuming it will be until the end of the year. Uh, and lots of people wondering why it's taking them so long to agree something which should be essentially fairly simple, just a matter of a few months. Uh, there's an awful lot of theatre and uh, dramatics uh, going on. While the dinner's been going on here, Theresa May has been uh, elsewhere at Tim Barrow's uh, residence where she has been having dinner with her team. Uh, we're told she had green asparagus with a crispy egg, whatever that might be, uh, roast fillet of lamb with mint sauce and seasonal vegetables, treacle tart and yoghurt ice cream available for pudding, but the PM had fruit as usual. Uh, so um, it's midnight and all we know is what Theresa May had for tea. All right, so it's now uh, 25 past 12 and everyone's talking about Halloween. Um, there seems to be some suggestion uh, that the extension could last until October 31st, which will be perfect headlines for Theresa May, a horror show, that sort of thing. Um, although other people are now pointing out that All Saints Day is a bank holiday in much of Europe making it unlikely that that's the day that they would allow Britain to crash out of the EU with no deal because, bluntly, there would be no civil servants here or in lots of other European countries to prepare for um, the, the turmoil that lots of people expect in the event of no deal. Photographers are mustering, heading into lifts towards where the leaders might start to emerge. So maybe it's not going to be quite as late as we feared. What a way to run a country, or several countries. Everywhere you go there are people muttering the word Halloween. We await news. Theresa May is apparently on her way back from the residence where she's been all evening. And it's being assumed that if she's coming back, uh, then she's happy, or at least not unhappy. And will accept whatever the, uh, the date is that they've agreed. If the date is October 31st, then some will argue that's a win for Emmanuel Macron, uh, because he was the most hardline voice pushing for a shorter extension in the end of the year but we'll just have to wait and see hold on to your halloween headlines just for a moment small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Should we have a quick chat? Oh, should we get a coffee? Let's get a coffee. Let's, uh, let's update. It is now 20 to 2 Brussels time. We thought we were hurtling towards a breakthrough. Uh, is there a breakthrough? I think there is a breakthrough, but um, Theresa May is, is showing some, a little bit of spine in that she seems to be quibbling over the detail. Which we haven't seen yet. Well, we haven't we seen the spine or we haven't no. seen the detail. All we know is that, that, that uh, there is now a new Brexit cut-off date, which is presumably as reliable as the 12th of April, which is the 31st of October, which, of course, everyone knows is Halloween Day. And it's the new March 29th. But something about June. Something about June. What's happening in June? Well, in June, they'll be they're meeting anyway on the 21st of that month. Um, and they'll talk about how it's all going and whether trees. Uh, bonjour, c'est bon, oui, c'est le matin. Uh, Puis-je avoir du, du café? Um, so this is where everyone, everyone gathers. It's notable not that long ago, this was a, a, a large queue of people queuing for wine and beer, and now it's people queuing <coughs> for cake and coffee. Yes, well, the, the Swedish had the EU presidency at one point and they made the bar stop, the press bar stop serving alcohol after a certain time because once upon a time in the real good old days when Blair closed a, a deal on the uh, seven-year budget in 2005 you could come here and have a nice left strong Belgian beer at 4.30 in the morning but not anymore not anymore. now it's coffee no it's just coffee so they're not serving anymore you could, you could, we couldn't have a beer even we, not, even not, if we asked for a beer even, even if we're you, working Bruno exactly <laughs> we saw others we saw yes, others so. everyone while we're waiting one question that normal people might be asking is why are they doing this at two o'clock oh, you need to pay we do need to we do need to settle our bill with the eu um why are they doing this it coming on for two o'clock in the morning why don't they do it over lunch instead of dinner why is it always the same well sometimes they have something to do have lunches <laughs> um, usually after dinners i was gonna say i remember so being, meals are very important i remember being, the, the david cameron uh one where he he did his renegotiation they had a dinner and they were going to come back for breakfast and then that became a brunch and then that became a lunch and then it became a dinner. An English breakfast. <laughs> an English breakfast, that's right. Then and it, it overran. And anyway, they had a problem because uh, Donald Tusk, who's a fan of English breakfasts and an Anglophile, he uh, wanted to serve uh, bacon and egg, but fried eggs aren't really done uh, on the continent, so he wanted to do scrambled eggs. But because of the catering facilities they have under, up there under EU regulations on the handling of raw eggs, they couldn't do scrambled egg. So even if it had been done in time, they would not have been able to do a proper full English. And Tusk was very upset about it. An organisation that can't scramble an egg. Maybe, maybe we're better off out of it. Anyway, what are we sort of waiting for? What is the process now? What's been going on in the room? And why, why do we know what they've agreed? And yet we don't know when they're going to actually tell us. Actually, compared to the summit on the 21st of March, where we knew a lot about what was going on in the room, we haven't known what has been going on in the room in terms of dates until basically it had been agreed. So Theresa May uh, wasn't there at the dinner. They had a fish supper um, because um, Downing Street were upset last time because she was sitting in a delegation room, which isn't nice. It's an office, really. 
watching telly, being updated on Twitter uh, by pe- like people like me and others uh, about what was really going on. That really is what happens, is that, that if she's not in the room, she knows as much as you do as to what's going on. It's leaks. I, and- I, I, I think there are back channels. I think there are some leaders who keep it updated on, on, by text. And I think, you know, Donald Tusk makes sure there's a, a running commentary. And, and at the end of the day, she has to agree to this too. Now, that's the, that's the issue, isn't it? And it was slightly odd that Donald Tusk tweeted saying the EU27 have agreed an extension and now we just need Prime Minister Theresa May to come in and agree to what we've decided. The way they put it here is EU27 plus one. So Theresa May, if she wanted to, um, can come back here and say no. Um, and then it's, you know, either no deal on the 12th on Friday, which lots of people certainly don't want because no one's prepared for it because no one thought it was going to happen, or they keep everyone here you know, into tomorrow. Um, a lot of leaders, I think about 16 of the leaders here have to be in Croatia for some sort of Chinese investment summit of some sort, which is quite important to a lot of countries. So they want to get, you know, they want to get away. So she's doing a bit of quibbling at that time too, perhaps. It's been a little bit late in the day for Theresa May to start having strong views on Brexit. While we're still watching on the clock, what does this all mean then? We definitely take part in EU elections. That seems pretty likely. MEPs are back they get elected at the end of May, they get sworn in beginning of July, and then they're MEPs for three months over the summer before getting booted out at the end of October. They're MEPs um, long enough not to take any important decisions because the first important decisions that they would be likely to take would be the end of October in terms of choosing the new European Commission and its successor to Jean-Claude Juncker. It might well be that that's kicked back anyway because the European elections are going to be uh, pretty chaotic. Well, could be uh, could introduce an element of chaos into EU decision making because you know perhaps Marine Le Pen will get more seats than than Macron. So a lot of Macron's posturing today is is not really kicking Brexit. Britain is actually kicking Le, uh, Marine Le Pen because Brexit is a proxy for her. Um, so yes, yeah, so MEPs could be elected, um, but the election's going to be fun, isn't it? Um, and then they will meet in all due pomp with Ode to Joy in the background and the Euro Corps raising the European flag outside the Parliament in Strasbourg. They'll trouser a few per diems, uh, they'll clock up three months of salaries and then yeah, they'll be off before they take any important decisions. There's just about time to have a second referendum. The people's vote, people getting excited tonight on Twitter that there might be time, just, just about time to have a second referendum before the end of October. I mean, overlooking the small problem that there still isn't a majority for it in the House of Commons. Yeah, so you've, you've got just about uh, just about six months to organise one. But yes, like you say, you've got to get you know three readings of an Act of Parliament through. And as we know, that's quite difficult when it's Brexit-related. Excellent. The agreement was controversial enough. Can you remember, imagine how controversial the second referendum is going to be? So it's now uh, quarter past two uh, in the morning and just waiting for... Donald Tusk and John Claude Juncker to come and give a press conference to give the first account of what's been agreed. Tonight, the European Council decided to grant the United Kingdom a flexible extension of the Article 50 period until the 31st of October. This means an additional six months for the UK. During this time, the course of action will be entirely in the UK's hands. This extension is as flexible as I expected and a little bit shorter than I expected, but it's still enough to find the best possible solution.
please do not waste this time. The end date has been fixed on the 31 of October. I have to leave my job on the 1st of November uh, this year, so my guess would be that we will have another night session because if we had, I have to leave the meeting at midnight. Thank you. This concludes the press conference. Good night. About good night, good morning. So that's that's Donald Tusk, uh, Jean Claude Juncker, both of them signing off with a joke at Parliament's expense, saying that uh, it might be tricky getting everyone to agree in Brussels, but it's easier to do that than getting everyone to agree in Westminster. So now uh, the journalists all piling out, and we go in search of Theresa May and uh, her press conference. I imagine fewer jokes. I agreed an extension to the Brexit process to the end of October at the latest. I continue to believe we need to leave the EU with a deal as soon as possible. And vitally, the EU have agreed that the extension can be terminated when the withdrawal agreement has been ratified, which was my key request of my fellow leaders. For example, this means that if we're able to pass a deal in the first three weeks of May, we will not have to take part in European elections and will officially leave the EU on Saturday the 1st of June. During the course of the extension, the European Council is clear that the UK will continue to hold full membership rights as well as its obligations. As I said in the room tonight, there is only a single tier of EU membership with no conditionality attached beyond existing treaty obligations. Let me conclude by saying this. I know that there is huge frustration from many people that I had to request this extension. The UK should have left the EU by now, and I sincerely regret the fact that I have not yet been able to persuade Parliament to approve a deal which would allow the UK to leave in a smooth and orderly way. Sasha goes to Theresa May leaving in a hail of uh, camera shutters rattling off, but is the picture any clearer? She was asked repeatedly if she could guarantee if Brexit would happen. She was asked to apologise to the country for saying we leave on March the 29th and then April the 12th and then May the 22nd and now the end of October. She winced a bit at the suggestion we were heading for a trick-or-treat Halloween Brexit. Uh, and then she heads back to London and she'll have to explain herself to the House of Commons. She knows she faces some really seriously difficult questions. It's not totally clear uh, she's got any answers. So, Ollie Wright, we've just come out of uh, the Theresa May press conference slash briefing. It's 3am Brussels time. Feels uh, like it. <laughs> <laughs> and what do, what do we know? What have we learnt? Where are we? Uh, October? Possibly June? We're October. I mean, there's two different messages coming out. Um, Theresa May says it's October at the latest. Um, but Donald Tusk seems to think that actually the extension could be longer than that if we wanted. So I don't think a huge amount has been resolved, um, except for the fact that we know that we could be in the EU at least for another six months. The, the problem seems to be that that's not really long enough to do anything different. No. But it's long enough to not have any urgency to do anything. Yeah. And I mean, the question she didn't answer at any stage is, what does she do if the talks with Labour break down? What's the plan B? I mean, it doesn't look like those talks are are going anywhere in particular. Um, so what does she do then? I mean, there's probably not enough time to organise a second right, referendum. Nearly got, nearly got crushed in a lift door then. Not enough time to organise a second referendum, even if she wanted to. Um, Hang on, I need to, press the, I need to press the button in the lift. 
going down in every sense. I think they're going down in every sense. No, the door's over again. Come in. Other people can come into the lift. Joined by uh, Jack Blanchard, who writes a, apparently writes a boarding email, but you don't need to know anything about that. And uh, Tim Ross and Bloomberg. Um, are we all having fun, chaps? This is so much fun. We live for this, don't we, Matt? We all live for this. We were just discussing that this job used to be fun. Three o'clock in the morning. Uh, you've just seen a press conference with Theresa May. What could be more fun than that, Matt? <laughs> I think that my, my problem is that after Theresa May's press conference, I've got so much adrenaline rushing through my veins, I'm not going to be able to sleep for hours. You've got six months to work on your Halloween jokes, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm already a bit tired of those. Exhausted. I've, exhausted. I've, I've, written, I've written about half a dozen of They're better than the black hole jokes, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's small mercies, small mercies, the Halloween jokes of... Uh, buried the black hole was so we go back to london tomorrow yep. uh recess is saved recess is saved yeah as she goes back she's um she stays overnight goes back to the house of commons to make a statement and to face her backbenchers who i imagine will be uh, less pleased with the european union with her um it's going to be a rocky time and perhaps the best thing for her is that everyone packs up and goes away for easter and doesn't plot too much about bringing oh, her down i think they'll plot over easter <laughs> Can't see Marc Francois lying on the beach somewhere, can you? I'm not sure I want to imagine Marc Francois lying on a beach, but on that terrifying thought, thank you for listening. I'm not sure he's made any sense at all. I'm not sure if you're any the wiser as to how a EU summit works. Um, but it is uh, five past three in Brussels. We are not leaving the EU on Friday. Uh, we're not leaving the EU on June the 30th, as Theresa May wanted. We might leave the EU on Halloween. We might leave before that. We might leave after it. Will we ever leave? That's the uh, question. A question that we will no doubt pose again in future weeks. If you want a break from all this Brexit nonsense, download the podcast tomorrow on Friday when I've been speaking to Ian Hislop, editor of Private Eye and uh, team captain on Have I Got News For You. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get them from and sign up to my morning email which I've got to write in a couple of hours' time. Uh, you can sign up to that at thetimes.co.uk forward slash red box. Uh, my thanks to everyone and no one who I've spoken to in Brussels. For now, from me, Matt Chorley, it's good night, good morning, goodbye. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk.